0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Charlie Sykes. Okay, there's, there's nothing new about debates over political correctness on university campuses. Some of us have been writing about it for more than 20 years. I actually wrote a book called ProfScam 30 years ago this year. But are we entering a new phase where the intolerance and the bullying is seeping out into the general culture, into corporations, into the news media? A memo on diversity can get you fired at Google. A tweet about immigrants can get a staffer in the New York Times in trouble. So today we have two colleagues to help hash all of this out. Andrew Ferguson, a senior editor of The Weekly Standard, and Adam Adam Rubenstein, a writer for The Weekly Standard. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Great to be here, Charlie. Great to be here. Uh, Andrew, I want to start with a piece you wrote last week, In Search of Black and White, a story about how a professor got in trouble for questioning the results of Google searches. Tell me about what happened right well there's um a professor uh, who's actually
1: worked for twenty years in the field of proving and i don't i don't think I'm being unfair characterizing her this way in proving that uh, browser searches, particularly google, um, are racist in the sense that they will automatically call up sites that are unfavorable to people of color and more favorable to people who are white older um, richer, and uh, male, more male. Uh, So she's tried to put together data that proves all this, and she's summarized it in the book that's about to come out. And uh, on the Amazon page for her book, she has a little blurb that says, um, plug in the words black girls in your browser uh, and see what you get. You'll get a bunch, I'm paraphrasing now, but you'll get a Mm -hmm. bunch of things about black booty and sexualized images and uh, why discussions about why are women, black women so sassy and stuff like that but then if you plug in white girls you end up with you know sort of rainbows and uh, beautiful little things about dresses and so on so um, there the claim lied on the Amazon page until a historian at the uh, at a trade organization for electronic engineers happened upon it and he said you know to himself that didn't sound quite right and so he did his own google searches one for black girls and one for white girls um as you'd expect the one for black girls showed up basically very um wholesome stuff like you know stem classes for young black girls in san francisco and a compilation of dances for for black girls and there was a uh, a white girl search that turned up nothing but ads for this 2016 movie called White Girl which is about a woman who becomes a drug addict um and so he did this and this was interesting so he decided he would respond to the professor and tweeted out um the results of his Google searches and, and,
0: and this was and this was his big mistake as, as you pointed like an idiot yes one I mean, fellow tweeter the guy... actually took the professor up on her offer there must have been a voice in his head saying no no don't do this
1: I don't, know don't what, go on to what but he didn't listen he lives on yeah I I, I envisioned this little um, angel on one side saying don't do this don't do this no good can come of this but you know he he's a trained academic so he went ahead and put it out there for the sake of discussion. And to make a long story short, uh, the roof fell in on him, and uh, he he was—we know how the rest of the story goes. He was accused of being insensitive, being a racist, um, defending the patriarchy, and so on. And after about 24 hours, uh, he he left Twitter, more or less. And then when he reappeared on Twitter, it was at the insistence of his bosses in which he issued— one of the most abject apologies I've ever seen in my life, begging, literally begging that the professor forgive him for his rudeness.
0: And, um, and, and the, the rudeness was basically saying that as an academic researcher, I'm going to take you up on your offer to test this. You know, if I Google black girls, if I Google white girls, and I came up with completely different results than, than your hypothesis that suggested I would. And apparently that exercise of the scientific method leads to what today um condemnation outrage and the inevitable abject apology
1: yeah for some reason he's still at work though <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know how they how they managed to how he managed to keep his job but the the, the apology that he wrote really has to be read to be believed it, it reprinted in the piece um and it's it's uh it's sort of on one hand it's it's funny on another hand it's tragic on a third hand it's sort of scary, um, that that uh, that the that the level of discourse now has gotten to the point where we really can't even do the most innocuous things.
0: All right. Now, Adam, you've written about a couple of things happening on university uh, and college campuses. Tell me about what happened at Kenyon College, where uh, they basically canceled a play, not basically, they canceled a play about immigration and uh, felt the need to start, start up a uh, whiteness group. So tell me about uh, what happened at Kenyon. Yeah
2: great so um there uh it's an interesting story the um full disclosure i'm a, a proud kenyan uh, alum i uh i loved my time there and i believe i got a great education there um but the place is a bit different than when i left um, the uh playwright uh and also a kenyan alum uh professor McLeod, uh wrote a play about um a young uh, illegal immigrant, uh, who had been working on an egg farm about 50 miles away from Kenyon, which is in central Ohio. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a suburb, it's in a suburb of Columbus. And, uh, students, uh, protested the, the play, found that the portrayal of an illegal immigrant, um, veered into stereotypes and that it was, um, harmful, uh, and, a violent representation of um, of an illegal immigrant and of um, what they refer to as um, Latinx culture. Uh, so uh,
0: one of my favorite parts of your story was uh, was where one professor claimed that after reading this play called The Good Samaritan, she has identified 40 instances of ethnic insensitivity right. You know, you, you think about this. They have professors going through this script and 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 categorizing. You know, every insensitive or allegedly insensitive comment. I mean, is, is this uh, is this not literary criticism in American higher education?
2: I mean, right. I mean, what, what's amazing about it is that um, this is how they spend their days, and uh, it's it, it. This is how they live their lives. They look, they nitpick um, for. Just about anything they can get their hands on to guide, um, to, to guide culture, and they it, it's censorious, and it it it's a, it's a real problem. Uh, so this, this is a play by a
0: Kenyan professor named Wendy McLeod, and it, they were going to perform it at Kenyan. In the end, did it ever get a, a performance?
2: What happened? Uh, it was scheduled to. Uh, it was scheduled to. Uh, Be produced uh, April fifth, and um, it's canceled. The professor pulled the play um, out of respect for the students um, who who voiced concerns uh, about it. She didn't want to make it a a problem. Which uh, which to me, I mean, it's a defeat of uh, the exchange of ideas of really of liberal education. But uh, moreover, it's um, it, it lets students have editorial discretion over their course material. Um, I mean, really, what's what's next? Um, What what next thing will students find offensive? Shakespeare? Oh, they'll they'll, Uh, they will find they'll find something offensive.
0: Can, Can you imagine, by the way, you know, Andrew and I are old enough to remember when we would actually read Mark Twain, when we would actually read Huckleberry Finn, when people thought that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird was, uh, was, was a great work of literature. Can you imagine Can you imagine the actually, reaction on um, campuses today? Well, of course, a, you don't have to imagine. You just have to open up the newspaper.
1: I actually had a professor in college uh, who taught me Shakespeare and never mentioned the words patriarchy or imperialism once. <laughs> I, I guess that shows how old I am, though.
0: Yeah, yeah apparently. Okay, so Adam, at, at Princeton which is i would i think maybe the most conservative of the uh, ivies uh you wrote about a class they actually had a class on free expression and somewhat ironically it was canceled what what happened with the free speech class at princeton
2: right um it's it sounds like a a headline out of the onion you know free <laughs> speech class canceled uh it shows really how free expression must be um so this professor Lawrence rosen um Uh, he was teaching this class, and uh, it's a diverse class. There are people of many backgrounds. I spoke to some of the students in the class, and the professor, um, in order to jar the students uh, and to uh, elicit um, a response that would determine the bounds of what uh, is acceptable discourse, so that students would be able to Mm -hmm. determine the bounds of, of of expression, he said. What would be worse, a white man hitting a black man, or a white man calling a black man, and he said the N word. Mm-hmm. So, and and um, he he had said it a few times in the class uh, to evidence you know a particular type of expression, and the students flipped out. Uh, the students in the class, um, one student stood up about two inches from his face. This is confirmed by two, the, report, the reports of two students in the class. Um, stood, stood in front of his face and shouted, F you. And another student looked at him and said, uh, do you feel safe right now? Are you safe right now? And um, he, this is halfway through the first seminar. Uh, and,
0: and, and the class is called Cultural Freedoms, Hate Speech, Blasphemy and Pornography. But apparently some of the students in the class didn't think there would actually be any of those things. There would not be any hate speech, any blasphemy, any pornography.
2: I bet they were hoping for the porn.
0: <laughs> I think that's probably what about two-thirds of them signed up for, right? I yeah. know, the,
2: the most interesting part um, that's come out from this is um, a new detail that uh, there was an instance where the professor had asked that students walk on the American flag, and uh, they had no issue with that. Um, that was uh, that was it's, it was somewhat of a, a, a right. an enjoyable experiment it seemed.
0: Uh, okay, now here's the here's the basic question I want to ask you you gentlemen. Does any of this actually matter? Noah Rothman has a great piece in Commentary Magazine where he takes on some of the critics who've been saying that look, conservatives overstate the problem. This is just some. Misguided kids. It doesn't matter. It's overstated and it doesn't have any larger cultural significance. Now, I want to get your take on that. Andrew. is this just kind of the freak show of academia or is this something that actually poses a a cultural political challenge to our democracy?
1: Well, I I think that's a um, you'll know how I'm going to answer that one. Uh, definitely the latter. um Noah has several good points about why this is so—why uh, For the, what, why, what happens in the university spills over or trickles down into the larger culture. The argument that I'd make is that there really isn't a replacement institution for higher education in America. And it is supposed to be the place where excellence— Intellectual excellence is rewarded, whether in the sciences or the liberal arts, the humanities. Um, And if that goes away, if it turns out that that this institution of higher education is going to be nothing but a sort of a a camp for enforcing political correctness, or, on the other hand, just becomes kind of a training school for engineers and scientists, um, then we have lost a resource that's absolutely essential uh for self government that may sound pompous but i think it's genuinely true
0: yeah now in, in, he talks about uh, also uh, no rothman uh, talks about what happened at brown university earlier this week where you had uh, town hall editor guy benson uh who is scheduled to speak and the g- group of students who objected to this were i think refreshingly honest in their objections uh they they wrote There is a wealth of writing on the inextricable connection between Benson's ideologies, fiscal conservatism and free market ideology. Did you catch that? That's what they describe it as. Fiscal conservatism and free market ideology and real tangible state violence against marginalized communities Um, as – as Noah Rothman says, uh, that is to say, the Bill of Rights and laissez-faire economics beget violence and racism, threats to life and liberty that legitimize virtually any reaction. It's practically self-defense. Now, I don't know about you guys. My first uh, my first uh, reaction to that was um, how, did, how did students this ignorant get into Brown University in the first place? What, what the hell is wrong with the admission standards now in the Ivy League?
2: I think um... – I think it might have happened after admissions. Um, I think uh, you know freshman seminars. You see now there are these orientations that that students go through, um, where there, where there's actually I I read one uh, orientation guideline um, where students were taught specifically, um, you know the the tenets of of social justice. Uh, This is not part of the your average education I would I would think but I, this might actually be happening after
0: so you're encouraged to be victims you are encouraged somehow to uh, to develop this hypersensitivity uh, sort of a little like a radar looking for things to be offended about looking for the microaggressions is that is that what you're saying and
2: looking looking for these things um, because in victimhood you really truly find salvation and the you, you don't have to be blamed. You're not blamed. You're not responsible for anything. Um, it's you're you're a victim. So um, anything you want to do is really justified. But uh, the real interesting part of this, at least in the Benson case, is that the students seem to be uh, implying violence against their identities, that um, speech that they disagree with, that could speak in favor of Western culture is against their identity. It's harmful to their identity. And this is why I think it's so incredibly heated on, on campuses, is because students have have equated political positions to their identities and their identity is the essence of their conviction. So an attack on um, you know universal health care implies that somehow they are, you know, less human or an attack on some particular issue equates to their, you know, themselves.
0: Uh, yeah, but I thought it was was as I said, somewhat refreshing the the bluntness where they said that fiscal conservatism and free market ideology beget state violence against marginalized communities. So if you believe in freedom, small government, somehow you are a fascist. Andrew, I want to ask you this because I, I think you know as as I step back and I've I've written about this for so many years as as you have. And 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 maybe our first uh, your 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 story answers this question. Maybe it's uh, it's too obvious, but wh- why do uh, why don't fa- more faculty members, more people in higher education, just stand up and go, "Excuse me, this is bullshit." <laughs> I mean, real really, at some point, you know, let's just say, I'm sorry, this is absolutely ridiculous. You know, the the you know, equating free speech with violence is bullshit, and you were brought here to be exposed to interesting ideas, to learn how to think. And what we're seeing play out is exactly the opposite. Is it fear? Is it intimidation? Is it tribal mentality? You know, why why, why don't more academics speak out about this absurdity?
1: Well, I think it's uh, self-preservation, uh, an instinct for survival. They, um, you know, you've seen over the years, actually, when this first uh, sort of started to Rear its ugly head back when you wrote prof scam, which was now now looks like a um, a work of prophecy um pun intended uh it's and and appreciated yes um, <laughs> anyway uh it it there still were holdovers from Uh, a previous kind of academic. They were all liberal Democrats, almost all of them, but they all still had a kind of underlying faith in Western civilization and the ideals of free speech and uh, free minds and and maybe even free markets, although I think they were less enthusiastic about that. But Mm -hmm. anyway, these were people who had been reared and had taught in a different kind of environment. And slowly over the couple of decades, you've seen those people retire and they uh, have kind of gone into the background, and they've been replaced by this sort of self-selecting group of people. The people who take over the chairman of the, uh, the chair of the English department uh, is likely a cultural Marxist who will only want to hire other cultural Marxists. And so pretty soon you've got a completely homogenous faculty, and uh, anyone who dares to think outside those lines isn't going to be rewarded professionally so and well, what that uh, means eventually is you don't have mm-hmm. conservatives or moderates even going into the liberal arts which is one of the reasons that the the liberal arts have seen the the terrible decline in majors mm-hmm. that you've seen over the last
0: well, obviously, there's also a pushback and a backlash against uh, this culture, the, the the push for free speech. But sometimes that goes wrong too. And uh, there, there's been a rather, I think, fascinating uh, little drama played out on the pages of the Weekly Standard of this week, um, after young Republicans at the University of California, uh, California, decided to invite, for reasons of their own, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos to speak on campus. And uh, a professor from uh, the university published an open letter in the pages of the Weekly Standard urging the young Republicans uh, to reconsider, uh, saying, look, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is is not a representative of free speech. He's just he's just a a vile, a vile human being um, who exists for no other purpose than uh, to to incite. And uh, as of uh, today, the young Republicans have apparently. Uh, rethought their position and have uh, have withdrawn their their invitation. So, um, Adam, give me your sense. Why do so many young conservatives on campus uh, feel the need to respond to this kind of stifling climate by being by going the other, you know, going beyond the Ben Shapiro's to go to the most offensive possible speaker?
2: Right. I think. I mean, it's a it's it's really an awful thing that students feel the need to do this, and um, there was a great piece in National Review about this by a friend, Elliot Kaufman, um, a few months back that made the case that campus conservatives really don't have to engage in this type of uh, activity to uh, curry favor with other students or um, get their message across. It's, it's a shame, really, that um, the conversation can devolve so much uh, into actually having Uh, somebody as crazy as Milo Yiannopoulos uh, come and speak. He really has nothing to add to the conversation. He has nothing to add uh, to really the campus setting. So when you can have somebody like Ben Shapiro who makes uh, arguments not based on identity but arguments based on ideas, um, it serves the campus much better. Um, But you know there's also there's there are a few elements to this. I mean the The campus conservatives find that uh the left that, you know the left really monopolizes the conversation so you know in, in in an odd way, bringing Milo to these to campus, campus conservatives think that they're you know getting one up they're 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 going to have their way with the left and um you know.
0: When, when in fact, what it's doing is it's walking right into the stereotype. You people have been accusing us of, of uh, being bigoted and being misogynistic and being anti-Semitic. We're going to respond by bringing in somebody who is bigoted, misogynistic, and anti-Semitic. We're we're going to show you because we're going to live up to every every one of. The the things that you have said about us, boy, that that works out well. Okay, one one other thing before we are done here, because I I mentioned at the beginning of uh, of the podcast that this whole climate seems to be seeping outside of acad- academia, and there's there's kind of a minor kerfuffle involving a uh, a staffer at the New York Times named Barry Weiss, um, who is a a young Jewish woman who apparently distinguished herself by being a strong supporter of Israel. But in any case, she got herself in trouble. Um, By tweeting during the Olympics, uh, after a a young uh, woman won won a medal at the Olympics, uh, immigrants get the job done. Immigrants get the job done, which I think is a reference to Hamilton, right, for those of you that are more culturally advanced than I am. This has caused this massive backlash that somehow because the skater was not technically an immigrant, she is the child of immigrants, but she is a native-born American, that this was racist. This was inoffensive, and uh, apparently uh, some of the staffers in The New York Times are are quite outraged about all of this. My sense – my sense, Andrew, is that this is one of the dumbest controversies uh, that I've seen in some time. But it's certainly an indication of how the snowflake mentality is no longer confined to your uh, your English departments at uh, at uh, Kenyon College.
1: Well, where do you think the New
2: York Times hires from? You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know,
2: let me let me let me uh, let me take a hit at this. I mean, since I took a shot at Kenyon College, there. Right. No. I. I. Uh, so I'll invoke <laughs> my my response here. I mean the. The problem is that there isn't a problem, and they're making a problem out of nothing. This is the most absurd controversy. It's really over nothing. Um, they charge that she used the word "we" instead of she used the word "they" instead of "we," um, which otherizes it, makes um, somebody who's actually not an immigrant but the child of immigrants um, the other, uh, and all these celebrities chimed in. But there's really, I mean, there's a concerted campaign against her um, and against um her values and uh their place on the opinion pages of of the New York Times and what's what what further exacerbates this and you know why these leaked transcripts from uh instant messaging at the New York Times uh appeared in the Huffington Post is because uh at the New York Times the uh the company policy is that opinion writers are actually encouraged to tweet and to uh engage in discussions on social media but reporters aren't so the reporters right. Um, it seems they're just really jealous of her. They're they're jealous of her ability to get her message out. She was just on Bill Maher on, on uh, this past week on Friday night, mm-hmm. um, and uh, before that, I mean, she's had a few successful weeks. Uh, she uh, her article uh, on Aziz Ansari was the basis of an SNL skit, a, a really funny SNL skit. So I, I sense uh, a few things here. I mean, there's the jealousy, but there's also um, sort of the contempt for, you know, what she believes in, what she writes, the pieces she commissions, and um, her level of success. She's a very successful, young, conservative woman. Um, she identifies as liberal, but, you know, she really doesn't fit the bounds of, uh, of you know, liberal conservatives. I mean, she's really a moderate when you get right down to it.
0: You know, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it is the sort of the – this hair trigger, uh, this hair trigger reaction uh, to – uh, you know, s- set off this. I would say artificial outrage in order somehow to go after somebody that you didn't like in the, in the first place. Um, that the only language that apparently some folks uh, understand is the, you know, how dare you? How dare you say all this? As opposed to addressing substantively her ideas and her and her thoughts. If, if, if somehow you can um, you can play the gotcha game, you've said something that is racist and insensitive, um, even if, in fact, and, and I think what was so bizarre about this was she's actually saying something positive. Positive about immigrants, she's actually pushing back against the this 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 argument somehow that that immigrants are hurting the country. But even so, it's the aha! If we look at it, if we squint this way, we look at it this way. She's showing that in fact uh, she's insensitive. She does not understand uh, the richness of diversity, and we can demonize her. And unfortunately. That's the kind of thing that maybe 20 years ago you might have expected on a university campus, not on a major newspaper. Uh, Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me. I really do uh, appreciate it, and uh, thanks for tuning in for uh, today's edition of the uh, Daily Standard Podcast. We will be back on Monday,